Hey everyone, this is Pastor Matt from the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this content. Our prayer is that this would be an encouragement to you, but that it would also cause you to stop and consider changes that you may need to make in your own life. This is why our mission as an organization is to glorify God, making mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Today, we're going to finish up our series through the book of Galatians. If you would like to listen to the entire series or any of our other teaching series, head on over to our website at www.cantonefc.com or swing by our Facebook page for a full video database of our services. In today's message, we're going to read through the entire letter from Paul to the churches of Galatia, followed by three summary application themes. So grab your Bible. Turn to Galatians, and let's grow together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your grace, for the freedom we have to gather together, both in person and online. I thank you for those who've taken the time to set aside and say, this is valuable. Father, I pray that as we read now this letter from the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, that we would be equipped, we would be challenged, we would be motivated to be the very church that you have called us to be right here in Canton, Illinois. Father, we commit this to you for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start in Galatians 1, verse 1. And I'm going to be reading out of the ESV translation. So just so you guys know what translation I'm going to be reading out of. And you can follow along. And we're going to go all the way to the end of Paul's letter. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. 
But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Then, after fourteen years... I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles And they to the circumcised, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. 
it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified by God, justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? <laughs> Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you desire to be under the law. Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, him who was born according to the Spirit. So also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, 
I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another... Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, (laughs) he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things With the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. 
It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Praise God for his word. Amen. So as we finish this time and this series, I want to highlight three important themes that we see in the letter to the churches of Galatia. Number one, the greatest threat to the church is not outside the church. The greatest threat to the church is not outside the church. It is always inside the church. What do I mean by that? Twisting of the gospel message and people allowing that message to be twisted happens within the body of Christ. Only when God's people give themselves over to a false gospel does the gospel become irrelevant. And as the statement has been said previously, we are always, church, one generation away from the church dying off. Always. Secondly, demanding more than faith alone in Christ alone always comes from within the church. When we look at the gospel and say salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, it is in the walls of the church that that gets contorted and things get added to that. The greatest threat to the church is not outside the church, it's Inside the body of Christ. Reason number three that's true. Legalism is developed within the family of Christ. No one steps into something assuming that they want to be legalistic. But it happens. And it happens within the church. Not because of outside. The fourth reason that this is true is that people within the church start seeing the church as the ultimate authority rather than God himself. And when that takes place, it is a threat to the one true gospel, which is only possible through the authority of God who sent his son. The only one who can make amends for the sin of mankind. The second theme in Galatians, those in Christ are justified, adopted, and heirs with Jesus. Those words are repeated throughout the letter as Paul emphasizes and returns to this, that those in Christ have justification, but it is only those in Christ who are children of God. It is only those in Christ who are justified. They're adopted, and they're promised to be co-heirs with Christ. Praise God 
for those theological truths rich throughout this letter. And the third and final theme that I want to draw to your attention as we finish this series in Galatians is that there is freedom in Christ. And the challenge for us, church, is in recognizing the freedom we have in Jesus, do not return again to a yoke of slavery. Do not return again to bondage that you have been set free from. Because there is freedom in Jesus. And so as we finish this, I pray that you recognize and can speak the truth that I have freedom in Christ. And nothing, nothing can take that freedom away because it is given by the only true authority we have, which is God, the very author of His Word. And that as we go from this place, that we would be motivated by the freedom we have to set aside those things which threaten us to live in that freedom. To stop. And any time we consider Paul's words to the churches in Galatia, that we go, may I not distort the only true gospel of Jesus. And may I live and walk and breathe out of the freedom that I've been given that I do not deserve in Christ. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to do, okay? I'm going to cl- I want to close us in prayer. And as we close in prayer, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but today is the beginning of Advent. This Sunday marks the beginning of Advent. And if you don't know what the significance of Advent is, your homework this week is to do some research. Okay? Do some research on this. And in fact, to help this be a little easier, if you go to our website, there is a tab on the main menu bar that says Advent. And we have a link there to an EFCA article explaining Advent. And then we're going to put resources there. A couple of Advent devotionals. Drew's going to put his kids' curriculum um, that he talked about this morning for Advent season on that page. You can download those, and I encourage you to use those. But really, the significance comes down to this. Advent is the mark of the new calendar year in the Christian faith. Today is meant to mark a new beginning as we anticipate the birth of the Savior and we go full circle to His ministry, His life, His death, His resurrection, and the ministry thereafter that stemmed from the fulfillment of the prophecies in Christ. And so, ask yourself this question and make a personal spiritual resolution as we begin this Advent season. What is it that needs to change? What is it that needs to shift? And allow these days leading up to the celebration of the Savior's birth be a kickstarter to those resolutions, okay? I'm going to pray for us, and then we've got one more missions video that we're going to show you at the very end before I dismiss you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for all that you have done and accomplished through Christ. May we walk and live as people devoted to the true gospel, set free in Christ for your purposes. We pray this all in Jesus' name.